we are going to talk about the fight that was brought to us. There are going to be times that there are going to be things that we have got to fight for, that we have got to stand up for. Um, the Bible says there's a time for everything. Um, this is one of the fights that was brought to us that we need to, we have got to be very clear on. That is the rainbow. And in this month of June, this is why I feel like I needed to, to do this. We need to know the true meaning behind the, the rainbow. This subject is in some ways difficult um, because emotions are always difficult. So it's difficult because of the emotions, but really it is very easy to understand when the emotions are removed. And so when you look directly at the facts, and, the, and by facts, I mean the biblical truth, it's another situation where, as usual, we make it difficult, and it really isn't difficult at all. We're going to start in the Bible, which is where you should always start, and then we're going to go into the misinformation and the worldly views a little bit, and then we'll end up right back where we started in the Bible. Let me make very, very clear. This is not an effort to attack a sinful lifestyle. Um, that's not the purpose of this. The purpose here is to help us in getting the worldly view out of something that should mean so much to us. Take that worldly view out of it. Our minds should not go to the worldly view. We have to retrain our brains. Okay, that worldly view needs to go. This is something that should mean a lot to us, and we should know exactly why it means so much to us. When a Christian sees a rainbow, the immediate thought needs to be the true meaning. We need to recognize the importance of the rainbow. We need to know the true details of the rainbow, we need to share that importance and those details so that others do not fall. That's our job, by the way. It's, it's really our job. We, we want to be the shining light so that others do not get misinformed and fall. You know, we are to love the sinner. Remember, Jesus loved the sinners. He ate with them. He healed them. He was there for them. This isn't going to be designed against any person or group or their choices and how they choose to live their lives. The sin itself is what it is. A sin. It's a sin that may be different from how I specifically sin, but my sins are what they are, sins. Subject matter today is the flaunting of the sin, the symbolizing 
of the sin. There is a group taking a symbol with true biblical meaning and trying to remove the true meaning. And that's not an accident, by the way. It is absolutely not an accident. It is very, very intentional. We've talked about it before. They do not like anything to do with the Bible. They do not like a family, um, the the meaning of the family. They don't want families. Um, they focus on children, and we're seeing that more and more evident today. They are getting bolder and bolder. So it is very, very intentional. For the most part, so far, I would say sadly that they are succeeding. But this is where we need to come in. We should, one, know the actual, original, full, true, and biblical meaning. Two, we should keep it fresh in our minds. And three, we should share it. Now, in sharing it, I mean kindly, with love and with grace. We don't have to be so bold that we're obnoxious. As a matter of fact, we should not be. But we can share the truth in a kind, loving way. We must know the true meaning so that we are not so easily misguided. It is up to us to not let their modern idea overshadow the biblical meaning. They will try to infest all aspects of life. And they are. Go into a children's section at Barnes & Noble. Look at the way things have, have changed. Um, Blue's Clues. I saw an Arthur. My kids used to love Arthur. Um, the, the little cartoon that has to do with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. They are sneaking this stuff in. That's what they do. Will we allow them to infest all aspects of our life? That's the important question. When we see a rainbow, we are to see the true meaning. Don't let anyone take that away from you. Let's begin in the beginning. In Genesis 9, 12 through 17. Let me read that. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature 
of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. God puts a rainbow in the sky as a promise to never destroy the earth with a flood again. He is faithful. He has perfect judgment. He cleanses the earth and starts over with Noah. And he made a covenant with all living creatures. He said that several times throughout that verse. He doesn't just repeat himself for no reason. He said that several times. It's clear, very, very clear. Now, later on, we are going to get into a little bit more of that verse. But in this beginning, I just want to share with you the, the places in the Bible where a rainbow is discussed. So the next time the rainbow is mentioned is in Ezekiel 128. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. It's a beautiful picture of a throne and behind it, the appearance of the brilliant light all around was like that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. Next, we will go to Revelations 4.3. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. There was glory surrounding the, the Lord, his holiness, his power, splendorous. Can you even imagine? Revelations 10, 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. So we see. Clearly, the rainbow is a part of God. It's a part of his creation. It's a part of, it's a part of him. So we started in the best place, the Bible. Our focus will now kind of switch to discuss and learn about the modern earthly, earthly attempted takeover. You know, I don't want to focus here, but we need to know. You can't know something is wrong if you're not educated on it. We also have to know what our enemies are up to. <laughs> this takeover didn't begin until 1978. A drag queen was commissioned in San Francisco to come up with a symbol for gay pride. Originally, they used a, a flag with eight colors. The hot pink um, represented sex. The red represented life. Orange was healing. Yellow, the sun. Green meant serenity with nature. Turquoise meant art or magic. Indigo meant harmony. 
and violet represented spirit. They had trouble finding hot pink fabric, so they, they pretty quickly dropped that color. In 1979, the flag was hung in San Francisco's Market Street, and due to the width, the center stripe was covered up, so to shorten it, they then dropped the turquoise. What they have is a colorful flag, not a rainbow. It is not a rainbow flag. Get that word out of your mind when you're looking at or referring to their flag. It's very simply a colorful flag. Their main flag has six colors, but they add and remove for different reasons. They add initials, they add colors, they take away initials, they, they add initials. It, that's ever-changing. But it is very simply a colorful flag. Satan has no creative power on his own. He can only copy and counterfeit. They simply have a colorful flag. The Bible makes it very clear that we should not be prideful. That's in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. We are not to take pride and persist in sin. Those who do take pride and persist in sin will not inherit eternal life. When we see one of their colorful flags, no matter where it is, and I say that because, yes, there are some churches that display this. We know it is a false flag. Their flag is not about the covenant God made with creation. It is a false flag. It is simply a colorful flag. The culture has seeped its poison straight into our society. And even our churches, they've seeped in deep. And we cannot just stay quiet about them mocking our God. For the Christians who feel we can't use the rainbow anymore. And prior to this, I was maybe somewhat with them. I, I kind of thought, well, they've, they've taken that. So, you know, but no, especially after studying this, no, 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 no. The rainbow is a symbol of God, of his mercy, of his love. We can use it. We should use it. We need to be using our rainbow. A rainbow forms as a result of the laws of nature that God imposed on his creation. As light from sun passes through droplets of water suspended in the atmosphere, it's bent or refracted and it bounces back or it's reflected towards the source at 40 to 42 degrees and then it is refracted again. The refraction causes the various colors of visible light to separate from one another, creating a spectrum of visible light that we know 
as a rainbow. The key word to describe the rainbow is spectrum. Now, usually we see seven main colors, but as the colors mix, that could be more. A rainbow has an infinite number of colors in a continuous spectrum. My eyes will not see the same types of colors that yours will. I might see the greens and the yellows mixing a little more than maybe you you would. It's really an infinite. There, there are main colors, but we're all, we all see things a little different. There is a continuous spectrum. The most common colors seen by the naked eye are red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Now, I don't want to get too much into the symbolism of the colors, but I think it is important to note, and um, as a part of BibleStudy.org, in their discussion on the rainbow, they had they have this very um very good explanation and so i wanted to share it the rainbow color is red purple which is a mix of blue and red and scarlet a bright red and crimson a color who of the color red were used extensively in the tabernacle moses made in the wilderness they were also a part of the temple later constructed and in the garments for the high priest and other priests. That was found in Exodus 25, 3 through 5, 36, 8, 19, 27, 16, 28, 4 through 8, 39, 1 through 2, etc. These colors were types or shadows of atonement. The colors purple and scarlet can mean or represent iniquity or sinfulness in Revelation 17, 3 through 4, 18, 16. Purple itself was used as a symbol of royalty. That's found in Judges 8, 26. Scarlet itself can represent prosperity. That's found in Proverbs 31, 21. Lamentations 4, 5. The color blue referred to directly or when scripture states something is like the appearance of a sapphire or sapphire stone can be a symbol of deity or royalty. That's Numbers 4, 5 through 12 and Ezekiel 1, 26, Esther 8, 15. Blue was also the color God commanded some threads in the fringes of Israelite garments to be colored in order to remind them of the commandments in living a godly way of life. That's found in Numbers 15, 38 through 39. I, I, I liked that. I like the, symbol, the symbolism of the colors. Let's get back to what the church should be doing. In these situations. So what are the viewpoints in the churches currently? And then what should we do? Well, right off the bat, there are two, um, there are two viewpoints. And I'm going to go through them. But in my opinion, they're both wrong. <laughs> and then 
I'll give my my opinion a third viewpoint. And you know, I encourage you to look through and 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 see when you actually read what what the viewpoint should be. But let's let's talk about some of the ones we have. The first viewpoint we have is the turn or burn crowd. Okay, they kick anyone who chooses to live this way out. They just kick them out. Two, then we have the the kind of the opposite spectrum of that, and they are completely and totally accepting. They tell them that what they're doing is completely fine. They are accepting to the point that they display the pride flag in their church. Well, we know now that that's a false flag. It's simply a colorful flag, but they display it in the church. I, I believe both of those are wrong. So how should we proceed? Well, I think we need to expose the sin, realize the sin, the realization of the sin, and then we need to keep them with love, keep them in with love. We need to counsel them, be honest that it is a sin, show them their struggle is a struggle with sin just as we struggle with sin. They have a fallen, sinful mind, but we all do. We live in a fallen world. We all have fallen brains. It is a daily struggle to overcome our fallen, sinful brains. I mean, I know it's a daily struggle for me to, to overcome the crap that comes in and out of my mind, the stuff that we face every day. This road is not an easy road. And just one example of our fallen world that I'd like to give. You know, we take one day, one day, Memorial Day, to recognize those who fought and literally gave their lives, gave their life for our freedom. One day. But yet, here we are giving an entire month to showcase how people choose to sexually live their lives is greatly imbalanced and it's unavoidable as Christians we are over exposed to this more importantly our children are over exposed to this and instead of dealing with instead of these children and teenagers and young adults dealing with how they feel like we would have or people older than us would have they think that this is what's wrong with them and a lot of times i truly feel like they come out is, is how they refer to it. They come out to wanting to be something that they really aren't. 
instead of just working through what is actually going on. Children and teens are looking for identity. And unfortunately, they're finding it in all the wrong places. And we are, some, we are to blame in a lot of ways for that. It's our responsibility to be that shining city on the hill, to give them guidance. So think about that. We give one day to recognize the people who fought and died for our freedom. And yet our society gives an entire month to this. We're going to shift shift focus again and go back into the Bible. So I want to go back to Genesis 9, 12 through 17. And I know that we went over this in the, in the beginning of the podcast. I want to dig a little bit deeper into this verse, these, this line of verses. And so I want to start over by rereading it. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. You know. The rainbow is a sign of that promise to never destroy the earth with a flood again. We talked about that. And it's between all living things. All living things. Including sinners. It's a covenant of mercy. As humans, we are evil from our youth. We talked about that when we were in Genesis before. We are unworthy, but his mercy, it's his mercy that says even those who have tried to hijack this symbol, his mercy covers all of us. Don't take that mercy for granted. I think back to the time when the the woman was being judged and he said, let them who is among you without sin be the one to throw a stone. Not one of us can throw a stone. So don't take that mercy for granted. We are all all of us, all living creatures, we are all recipients of God's mercy through this covenant. All of us. 
when you see that rainbow in the sky, it's to remind us of that mercy. The mercy we need. Mercy, grace, and salvation are all extended to unbelieving sinners at God's initiative. By default, as humans, we are all covenant breakers. By default, as humans, we run away from God. That goes clear back to Adam and Eve. And just as God came looking for them, he is always looking for us. The rainbow points us to God's mercy for all of us. This covenant is an everlasting covenant. The faithfulness of God, we are covenant breakers. He is not. He is faithful and true. Second Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. We are wanderers by nature. He remains faithful to his promise of mercy. On a sunny day, a beautiful day, a good life day. We are typically good. Those are the times when it's easy. No, it's never easy, but those are the time that it's a little bit easier to be a Christian on those good life days. Okay. But on a stormy day, when life is crumbling, when nothing seems to go right, when we seem like we are being attacked, we can very easily stumble and need that reminder. Look into the heart of our storms. When we are at our worst, for our reminders, our sign, regardless of what flood you find yourself in, Christ is the rainbow. It's our rainbow. It's a sign from God. A good point I want to share that was made in one of the many hours of information I was listening to. You know, the guy said, Christians need a revival of the gospel of Christ, not the church. Let me repeat that because he said it and I instantly sat there like, holy moly, he is right. Christians need a revival of the gospel of Christ, not the church. There is a difference. Churches can fall the same as we can fall. We have to be careful. And I'm going to tell you, I am not one to advocate for when something gets rough at a church, you turn around and walk away. But there are times when that is going to have to be the answer. When you are going, I'm not talking about minute things, okay? I do not agree with everything that comes out of my pastor's mouth. Most of it, but not everything. That's okay. We can have little disagreements on minute things that really aren't 
all that important. However, however, if you are sitting in a church that is displaying a pride flag, that's something you're going to have to seriously consider. If you are sitting in a church that is under, of course, disguised names and disguised ways teaching critical race theory, that's something major. You are going to have to make a change. Remember, that change needs to be with you, the gospel of Christ, not that specific church. The revival has to be in us. This is a war. I have said that before, and I'm repeating it now. I really believe that we are in a spiritual war. Christians are at war with this world. But for us, it should be a war with love. We have people who are led astray. We, are, we have people that are blinded. Their souls are dead. They might be in church one of these churches that are leading people astray, they might be in church week after week after week, but their souls are dead. The scripture is clear on what is sin. And it's clear, and it's not in our words. It's in his words. We are not to like sin. We are to love the sinner. Make sure you come at the war with love. Get back to the basics. Back to the basics. Back to the Bible. Back to the words that are clear. And have courage. Do you think it's hard to have courage now? In some situations it is. But we're in for it. We haven't seen anything yet. Just wait. Courage is going to be harder and harder to have. Have love and grace, but have courage. We as Christians should really stick out like a sore thumb. We are to be a shining city on a hill. If we do not stick out as different, and you cannot at least tell a difference in how we act versus how the world acts, we best be working on that. You got some work to do. I've got work to do. We all have work to do. We need to be a church of love, but we cannot be a church of comfort. If you are going to church and you are not getting your toes stepped on once in a while, start reading, start praying, start digging. We cannot be a church of comfort. We were never promised an easy life. We were not told following the truth would be easy. Quite the opposite. Very much the opposite. In life, we will lose people. We will lose friends. We will lose family. Not necessarily because we don't associate with them. Although we may have to limit exposure, we talked about that in dealing with difficult people, but we're going to, 
you know, even the most difficult people we have to love. Jesus ate with sinners, but some will unassociate with us because of our biblical beliefs. We will be left out of things at times, and we have to be okay with that. We are to be kind. We are to love, but we are to stand for the truth. We are to speak truth. There needs to be a balance. Always remember not to be arrogant. We sin too. Differently, but every single one of us falls short. We are not called to be tolerant of intolerant behavior. We are to be the salt of the earth. To stop the spread of cultural rot. That's, that's a pretty good accurate description of what we have going on right now. Cultural rot. We are not to be idle. We are to work. And boy, do we have work to do. We are to have on the whole armor of God to fight the good fight. You cannot do that from the sidelines. You need to be in the light. In this, you need to be the light in this very, very dark world. I'm going to read 2 Peter 3, 3 through 12 for you. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were the beginning of the creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the word that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it should be exposed." Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? Be the light in this dark world. Be the salt of the earth. Be bold in your faith. Encourage those who are doing right. Rebuke those who are doing wrong with love, not hate. The rainbow is a beautiful gift from God. Do not twist, abuse, and pervert the meaning 
of his wonderful gift to us. I'll talk to you again soon.